as the disciples in the locked room reached out and touched you, let us reach out and touch you, living Lord Jesus. Let us feel your scarred hands and feet. Let us put our hands in your side. Let us be still and know that you are our Lord and our God. Amen. We met him on the way to Emmaus and he asked us what had happened. We were silenced by the audacity. How could he not know? But it was a question not about events. He was questioning what it had done to us and we did not disappoint. And as we travelled the three miles of our journey, we talked, one story leading to another and he listened until we sat at the table in the inn of Emmaus and he asked his second question. Shall I make a blessing as we break bread? And as his words began, he began to fade and light exploded and shards of gold and silver broke free until all that was left were a few breadcrumbs on the table. And then we knew, we knew he had not died. Jesus is alive in us. He asked me three times, three times if I loved him. We thought we saw him on the beach, days after he'd come back among us. We jumped from the boat in which we were fishing, and into the water and across the beach to weigh as preparing the fire to cook the fish. And he faced me, me, who had denied him three times and asked three times, equaling each denial, Do you love me? And we knew, we knew Jesus was alive in us. It's a cool, misty morning The sun has barely risen You're standing there before me Your face seems strangely different My boat is there behind me Sail flapping in Do you love me? Love me more than these. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me more than these? All your treasures gathered around you. Do you love me more than these? 
uncanny feeling that sweeps across my mind. Your eyes burn holes right through me. You seem to look inside. Your voice I hear so clearly, carried by the breeze. Peter, do you love me? Love me more than He asked me to believe, and I could now that I knew, knew he was not a rumour of life, but was among us and between us in that upper room. He asked me to believe, me, who was more comfortable in my unbelief. He asked me to believe, to trust what I longed for, and I knew, I knew Jesus was alive in me. He asked them, who is without sin? And he asked me, Is there no one left to accuse you? And in these questions he set me free, forever. I knew I was no longer bound to the whim and will of others. I was bound to God. Even after those last days, and the Friday of crucifixion, and the rumours of him alive again, I knew I was still free. And I knew, if I was still free, then Jesus was alive in me.
day What a glorious way That you have The reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 1 to 20. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. After that he appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins." then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. Seven Stanzas as Easter by John Updike Make no mistake, if he rose at all, it was as his body, 
if the cell's dissolution did not reverse, the molecule re-knit, the amino acids rekindle, the church will fall. It was not as the flowers, each soft spring recurrent. It was not as his spirit in the mouths and fuddled eyes of the eleven apostles. It was as his flesh, ours. The same hinged thumbs and toes, the same valved heart that pierced, died, withered, paused and then regathered out of enduring might new strength to enclose. Let us not mock God with metaphor, analogy, sidestepping, transcendence, making of the event a parable, a sign painted in the faded credulity of earlier ages. Let us walk through the door. The stone is rolled back, not papier-mâché, not a stone in a story, but the vast rock of materiality that in the slow grinding of time will eclipse for each of us the wide light of day. And if we have an angel at the tomb, make it a real angel, weighty with Max Planck's quanta, vivid with hair, opaque in the dawn light, robed in real linen, spun on a definite loom, let us not seek to make it less monstrous for our own convenience or our sense of beauty, lest, awakened in one unthinkable hour, we are embarrassed by the miracle and crushed by remonstrance.
identity. It's a complicated thing. It's wrapped up in our relationships, our roles in society, our aims in life, and what we believe. We're not born with our identity ready packaged and intact. Who we are develops over time and our sense of self is profoundly affected by what happens to us. So we shouldn't be surprised if the unprecedented times in which we're living affect who we are and how we perceive ourselves. Over the years, many of us will have developed a routine that suits us. There's a, a good fit between who we are and how we spend our time. But if we can no longer live that way anymore, we can end up feeling disorientated. Rightly or wrongly, many of us think of who we are in terms of what we do. Our job, our role in society, these are the things that define us. If we suddenly find ourselves unable to work, that can have a big impact on our self-esteem. And if we're the kind of person who thrives on social interaction with others, then we may struggle to cope with the current isolation that comes through the lockdown. Some of us are under immense pressure and feel as if our characters are being tested beyond the limits of endurance. Whereas for others of us, an enforced period of inactivity is making us think about the existential questions we're normally too busy to consider. Who am I? What's the point of what I'm doing? So there's every likelihood that come the end of 2020, if we're spared, then we will be different for having lived through the experience. The question is, will we be better or worse for it? Writing to the Christians in Corinth, the Apostle Paul could say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And for him, God's grace was the defining factor in shaping his identity. It made a massive difference to who he was. Before he met Jesus, if you'd have asked Paul about who he was and how he lived, he would have been utterly convinced that he was successfully pursuing life as a Pharisee and he had everything going for him. But one dramatic encounter with Jesus changed all of that. The old certainty that he was right had crumbled away. And whereas before he'd been driven by a zealous intolerance of others, Jesus now filled his life with grace. And Paul became a very different person. Someone perhaps who was more loved by those who knew him than feared. And that's because the grace of God was with him. I said earlier that this present crisis is going to change us all. But what will be the factor that has the biggest impact on your identity? Will it be your own fear and stress? Will it be the impersonal force of an unwelcome change in circumstances? Or will you place your life in the hands of the God who loves you and ask him to change you by his grace? For us, as all the props and routines and goals and connections that have supported our identity are kicked away, we're left with the grace of God. And that is still freely available to us. And if you don't like the person that you are, or the person that you're afraid you're becoming, 
then now is the time to stop, to turn round and say to the one who gave his life to redeem you, Jesus, I want you to be the one who shapes and moulds my character in this time of change. Where I've got it wrong, forgive me. You know the very different person I could have been, but all those things I've said and done over the years have had such a negative effect on me and on my relationships. Lord, I'm sorry. Thank you that your death and resurrection mean I'm no longer bound to my past mistakes. Thank you that you still have the blueprints for my identity on file. Jesus, as I give my life to you, work in me to change me into the person I might have been and the person that by your grace I can still become. Thank you that in your grace you love and accept me and in that knowledge lies the key to loving and accepting myself and those around me. Thank you, Jesus, for being the one who makes a difference to who I am and how I live. Thank you that I can entrust my life completely to you. Amen.
It's by God's grace that we're born again and welcomed as God's children into God's family. If we make that relationship the key to our identity, then we have an eternal security that can strengthen us to face the trials and tribulations of this life. So let's hear what the Apostle Peter had to say on the subject. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let us pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our Creator, the one who sustains, rescues and redeems. You are sovereign over all creation, seen and unseen. Keep us under the shadow of your mercy in times of uncertainty and distress. Watch over us in times of trouble and walk with us through the deepest, darkest valleys. Thank you for the knowledge that nothing can separate us from your love in Christ Jesus our Lord. May you use us to bring comfort to those who grieve and peace to those who are anxious. In times when we feel weak, give us strength to serve in faith and love. In times when we feel weary, give us the spirit of endurance and encouragement to bring help and hope. God of compassion and comfort, be close to those who are in isolation or who are ill. We know that when danger threatens, underneath are your everlasting arms. Bring hope, bring healing through Jesus Christ our Lord. God of healing and care, be with all those within the NHS, within care homes, within the community. God of order, give skill, sympathy and resilience to all who are caring for the sick. God of wisdom, give insight and understanding to those searching for a cure for COVID-19. 
We pray for all those who are working for the common good in our land and around the world. We pray for all those in authority over us and seeking to govern wisely. Loving God, we pause for a moment to lift up to you those we love. Grant each one of us all that we need to draw close to yourself in these days. God, be with your people in your world. Amen. of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>